be seated. Take your shoes off, get comfortable, it could be a while. And so, Mark chapter number four this morning, if you need a handout for the sermon, if you'd raise your hand, we'll get you one real quick. I think everyone should be pretty good with it. And so, Mark chapter number four. What a passage before our eyes this morning. Jesus, the master teacher, the master parable giver, gives a great parable. And we're going to be looking this morning from verse number 1 through verse number 20, and then going back and breaking it down. Some in this room, it could be more Bible than you've gotten all week long. You're going to get it this Sunday morning. I'll encourage you during the week to read God's Word as well. And so we could look at this passage of Scripture this morning, and there are so many commentaries, so many people's thoughts on so many things, especially in this passage as well. A lot of famous preachers from yesteryears that I trust them way more than I would trust myself in a million years. But at the end of the day, I go with what the Scripture says and where the Lord leads me. And so a lot of them, and I would disagree a little bit on this passage. If you disagree with me on this passage, that's okay. I still like you, okay? Well, no, I'm just kidding. Of course I like you, and it's okay. There are two different, and one of the things of this passage there are those out there that say there, it's the four soils we're going to look at today. Parable of the four soils. Many out there would say that the only soil about salvation, the only saved soil is the good soil. I don't tend to think that that's what the Bible says here, and I'll explain to you in the message why. I believe, as you look and you see the beginning there, the hard heart and Satan devours the seed, I believe that is someone who doesn't get saved. That's the first soil. But the Bible does talk about here the stony ground that they receive the word and it starts growing. Salvation is not something that comes and goes. But some people, you ever wonder why someone in the Christian life, they get saved, they get on fire for God, and everything's great till problems come? And then when problems come, the sun shines down, they wither up. And that word withered up means they didn't become mature. That's what the word literally means. And then you've got the third type of soil, where the weeds and the thorns come in, and the cares of this world, and we'll talk about all this here this morning. But I, as you study scripture, a, a good example would be Demas. Demas hath forsaken me, loving this present world. Demas was a faithful follower for a long time. There are those who say, well, Demas was... At the end of the day... I'm not a fruit inspector. There are many people who try to be fruit inspectors, and that's God's never called us to be a fruit inspector because you will never know the heart of someone. In fact, we have a hard time knowing our own hearts because they're desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, correct? So at times, we could even be deceived by our own heart. That's why we need to be following God and the Holy Spirit. And so... As we go through this morning, like I said, there are m many that would say the only saved soil could be the good soil. I differ on that based on what I read in the scripture here, and we'll talk about that today. We're going to dive in this morning. We're going to read all 20 verses, and then we're going to go back. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a few thoughts at the very beginning, then we're going to cut to the very middle, give you a few thoughts, and then we're going to look at the four types of soil. But what we're going to do is we're going to go from verse number four down to where Jesus explains it later on. Then we're going to look at the second type of soil and go down where Jesus explains it and do it that way, give some application, and go home shortly after that. So it could be a while. Here we go. Verse number one. 
And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield, much, yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He said this to that entire multitude, this part of it. Now it says, when he was alone, they, at, they that were about him with the twelve, so this is a smaller group, this is more of a private setting, after he's been with the multitude and taught this parable. We see that there's a smaller group, and he says, and when they were um, about him with the twelve, asked him of the parable. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately. And taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Who when they have received the word immediately receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves and so endure for a time. But afterwards when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. And these are they which sow among thorns such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown of good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Before we dive into some thoughts, I want you to go with me real quick to John chapter 15. Many would say, well, you'll know a Christian if they bear fruit. Let's just see what Jesus had to say. John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. What does that tell you right there? There are branches in Christ save people that don't bear fruit. Isn't that what it says? And that take away, that's a strong word right there. And I am not going to say I could be a better translator than others because they knew way more languages and lots of other things. But at best, you got to remember the men who translated Scripture 
were just that, men. They were not inspired by God like when John or Paul received the word from God and the Holy Spirit moved on them. But that word there where it says he taketh away also means to lift up, to separate. To cl- There's some things that he tries to do to help them bear fruit. But anyways, this isn't a lesson on John chapter 15. Maybe someday we'll go back there. But I want you to see that not all Christians bear fruit. That's obvious right in that passage. Now let's go back to Mark chapter number 4, and we're going to dive in and learn some things today. Now, one of the things that we have the privilege of is having the entire Bible. So when they heard this parable from Jesus, they didn't quite understand all of it. But do you notice how the big group, maybe they didn't understand, but those who were close to Jesus got the meaning of it. In this world, a lot of people don't understand the things of God. But as a Christian and the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we will understand more things. That's a side thought. But as we go through this this morning, let's just dive in and see where we get. We see, first of all, he began again to teach, verse 1, by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. We've seen over and over again so far in this passage, Jesus and Mark, Jesus taught in the synagogue. He taught outside. He taught from a boat. I love the fact that Jesus used different methods to get the message out. Let me help us today. And some people get stuck. The message must never change. The message must be the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Message cannot change. But methods do change. What worked years ago might not work today. And things that work today might not have worked years ago. And Jesus used whatever means he could to get the message out. So methods change, and that's okay. The message must not change. The message must remain true. The problem is, if our methods change, sometimes then the message changes. And though our world would like a softer message, the message is still what's right. We must stick to the message as the word tells us. But the means, the methods behind it, there's going to be different methods. And someone might do it differently than us. If their message is right, it's all good. We go through here, we see that there's a huge crowd that gathers, and Jesus drew a crowd wherever he was. They were gathered, he got on a boat, and he sat there and taught them. And that's how... And be grateful, I don't, if I sat down and didn't stand, we could be here all day when I preach. And so standing actually gets you out quicker. So maybe I should just start sitting down. No, I like moving around too. But as we look here, this huge crowd gathers, and he taught them many things, the Bible says here in verse number 2, by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine. Now, when we think about parable, we've talked about parables in the past, but the word parable means to throw something beside something else. And so a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, helping us get what the Lord's trying to teach, something more visual to help us kind of get the spiritual interpretation of it. That's how Jesus did with parables. Jesus was a master with parables. Teachers use parables a lot. Even today, people will use object lessons and almost like parables and things that they teach. But when you look here and you think about in the Gospels, Over 35 times, approximately 35 times in the Gospels, Jesus used parables to teach the people. 
we drop down to verse number 10, we see it says, And when he was alone, they were about him with the twelve, asked of him that parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and understand, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. So we see what is the purpose of a parable. It's twofold. The first thing is, for those that know the Lord, it reveals things. The parables reveal things. If someone is open to it and they receive from God what he's trying to teach them, they understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said right here. The second part to a parable is, not only does it reveal things to some people, but it conceals things from others. You see, it says there, if someone is closed and hardened to it, they will hear it, but they won't understand it. So the parables, two things happen with them. They were used to reveal things and also to, hide, to conceal some things. And so, in other words, think about it this way. We receive what we're receptive to. If you're open right now, you can get something from God this morning. And if you're not, you won't. I don't know why you'd come to church if you didn't want to get If you just came to hear me, wow, that, I, I would stay home. I'd be the first person to say, there's no reason to go hear Brian. Just stay home. I would hope that you're here because you want to receive something from the Word of God. Now, as we look at this passage, I want you to understand two things. As we look, we see the Bible says in verse number 3, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. I'll go down to verse number 13, verse 14. The sower soweth the word. So the sower here, I think Jesus is referring to himself at this time, is sowing seed. How many of you ever plant a, anybody ever plant a garden? I remember when we first moved into the house here, Pastor Cruz had some boxes left, and we decided to plant a garden. She grew up in Minnesota, and they know what it's like to grow gardens and things, and stuff started to grow, and then good old, uh, good old animals got in there and ate everything, so we didn't do it again. And so, but I know, I haven't seen your garden, but you talk about all the different stuff you guys have in your garden, and you think about it, you plant the seed, there's work that goes into it. The seed that, in the front yard at the house here, we used to live here for nine years. And Rick, I was teasing him last service. But after living here about a year, he said that our front yard looked like a beautiful Zen garden, a dead Zen garden. That's what he said. Because it was literally, and I'm like, we're going to have green grass out here. So what did I do? I went to Home Depot. Bought a bag of seed. Say, did you read the instructions? Do you ever read the instructions the first time? Most men don't. <laughs> Threw the seed all over the place. Threw water on it. Did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Fed the birds. So, I got another bag. What's the first thing I did? I read the instructions. Could have saved myself $20 on a bag of seed if I would just read the instructions the first time. 
So are you getting any better? Sometimes I'm getting better. I strive to do better, but sometimes it just still doesn't happen. And then I read on there, you got to prepare the ground. You're supposed to wet it several days ahead of time. You rake in, even put some soil there. You do a lot of things to it to get it ready. So I did that. I put the seed down, and it's green still to this day. It's amazing what happened when the right soil was ready to receive the seed so it could germinate and get life and grow. This morning, this parable can apply to several areas. This could apply to us giving the gospel, sowing seeds. Yesterday at the food distribution, I love those signs. I love the signs that are out there. They have the gospel all the way. I love that. That's one of my favorite. The first time I went to the food distribution place, when I saw those signs out there with the gospel, that's my favorite thing. I like that they feed people and give them food too, but to give spiritual food, I love that. Because what those signs are, all those verses, it's seed. That's all it is. I can't know and I can't prepare the soil that's going to receive those seeds. I can sow seeds. All of us are called to seed to sow seeds of the gospel. That's what we do. Be it whatever you do. That's what we're supposed to do. Let's be honest this morning. I'm sowing seeds. How receptive are you to the word of God today? There are times in my life where my Bible reading, man, I feel like things are jumping off the page and I'm getting so much. There are other times in my life where it feels like, I don't think God's spoken to me in weeks. That's the problem. The seed's always good. It's always good. It's the soil, my heart. As we dive into the message this morning, I think we could look at this for those that are going to receive the gospel. And I think you could also look at yourself this morning and say, how is my heart? Let's look at that this morning and break down these four types of soil. And then we'll get through the message and we'll see if I can get back here without falling off. There we go. All right. And so we see, number one this morning, we're going to start with a hard heart. Look at verse number four. It says, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it. And so the sower is sowing what? The word. Some of the seed falls on the wayside here. Now, you've got to think about it this way. Fields in Israel were small. And they separate, and we even remember a few weeks ago, Jesus and his disciples walked through a field, right? The more you walk on something, the harder it's going to be for anything to grow right there. I do a lot of hiking and losing weight and things. And so you go to Chino Hill State Park. You'll have trails that are just there because people have trampled down the ground so much in those spots. So you'll see there'll be weeds, there'll be things all the way around it, and there might even be just a little path. That little path is there because people have trampled, and it's so hard. So if seed is sown on that, it's not going to grow. It'd be like throwing grass seed on cement today. Not, I don't suggest it. 
Now, maybe you've got a little crack and you want to fill that crack in with grass. Maybe that might work just a little bit. But a hard heart. Now, look at what it says here about this. But basically, this seed just hits the hard ground, and then the birds come and gobble it up. But Jesus gives us the interpretation, verse number 15, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. To take away means to seize with force, to rob. Isn't that what Satan to call, he comes to steal and to kill? And you notice that Satan does this immediately, so the word is sown. At the, at the food distribution, the verses are there, the word is sown. A hard heart, Satan comes in right away and just gets rid of those seeds and gets them out of there. They, don't ha- they can't do anything because the soil's hard. And we see earlier Jesus said the birds take it, but we see Satan's the one who does this here. And so you ever witness to someone and you think they get it, but they just don't want it? That's what we're talking about right here. A hard heart. How do we get a hard heart? Hard heart comes in several ways. Pride a lot of times is one of the biggest problems for a hard heart. In the Christian life, when we stop growing and our hearts get cold, pride's a lot of times the problem there. And so, and you know, maybe you've been hurt, maybe you feel cold and callous, whatever the case may be. But you gotta understand something this morning. We see this first type of soil, we see a hard heart. Hey church, how's your heart today? Maybe there's someone here who's not saved, who's had a hard heart, and every time those seeds are sown, Satan comes in and just takes them out of there. Maybe in the Christian life, you're going through a hard time and you're hard to the things of God and the seeds are sown, something that could really help you where you're at. But because of your hard heart, you're not taking it in. How, what type of soil do you have this morning? First of all, we see a hard heart. Number two, we see a shallow heart. A shallow heart. Verse 5 and verse number 6. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. In that part of the world, much of the land was solid rock with a thin layer of soil on top. So the sun would bake the rock, which would make soil warm, so it was easy for something to spring up quickly. But because there are no roots that have grown, the pressure comes, the sun comes, and they would wither, and it would wither away. And as it says they're withered away, it means to not become mature. It's literally the meaning of that right there. So when you look at this, you skip down to verse number 16. It says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Man, this, this, this plant, this, this growth looks great. And sometimes this might be more of an emotional person too. Oh, the emotion of them, they're so excited. They receive the word, they start to grow quick. And then hard times come in their life. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't, I didn't know a Christian would go through that. 
There's no roots. Nothing's, you haven't been rooted in the things of God. There's a shallow heart. And when you look at this here, and when you look at these things, you've got to understand, I've seen it over and over again. People come to God, they grow fast. But the hard times come, and they fall out of it. Say, well, I just don't know if that person was ever saved. I already told you, you're not a fruit inspector. That's up to the Lord to take care of, not you. I've heard many Christians in the past tell me, we're called to be fruit inspectors. I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. Judge not that you be not judged. I don't know someone's heart. I just need to sow the seed. In the service this morning, I don't know who's receiving what's being preached and who's not. In fact, if you look at this passage only 25% of the soil in this passage is good ground. So there could be very few that are picking up any seeds this morning, or there could be a lot, but it's not my job to figure that out. It's my job to sow seed. We'll talk more about that at the end of the message this morning. But we just see it, and you see someone that will come, and then they just grow real quick. Hard times come. And Christianity, you got to understand something, is not about sustaining some sort of emotional high. Because there are going to be emotional highs in the Christian life, and there are going to be emotional lows. It's staying constant in those things, not, do, not being weary in well-doing. Because you notice that Jesus doesn't say if um, tribulations come. He says when they come, which means they will come. It's important for us to see. And... Um, if you even look there, you see the words it says in verse 17 there. It says, And having no root in themselves, so endure, but for a time afterwards, at when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And the word, tribu- you see the word there, affliction? Saint, tribulation is a similar word. And it has the idea, and its background is from the threshing roller used to smash grain to crush, to squeeze, or to break. And so when the hard times come, some of those who have trusted Christ don't go very far or mature to spiritual maturity. Why? Because there's no roots and it's very shallow ground. How's your heart today? We've seen hard hearts. We've seen shallow hearts. Number three, we see a conflicted heart. Look at verse number 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no fruit. So the word choked means to literally choke. Anybody, everyone understand what choked? (laughs) Yeah, choked. It choked it out. And um, the seed is strangled by the thorns and thistles and ends up producing no fruit produce or fruit when i seeded my front yard there was one little spot that did not take everything else did pretty well there was a circle spot so what did i do i cleared it all out gave it a little bit more soil and i put new seed in and i watered it extra the thing that happened next was pretty crazy it got super green fast and stuff grew in there pretty quick it was not seed though It was weeds. It was green, though. It was nice and green. 
And in fact, some of you might wonder, you look in the churchyard and you're like, sometimes it's super green, sometimes it's not. Half that churchyard's weeds. So in the summer, the weeds die out. Even if you water them, they just don't stay super green. So that's part of the problem. And then you got kids, you know, all over it. And you got the hard ground. I could just take you all out in the yard today and we could have done the sermon right there in the yard. That would, that's a good idea. Why did you tell me how to think of that? But anyways, but when we look and, when, and so those weeds choked out and the seed never really grew. So what do I have to do again? Go clear out all the weeds and do it again. And finally, it took off. You think about this conflicted heart. We see it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Verse number 18 and 19, it says, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. There are three things that can hinder a Christian from being fruitful. Mentioned right here. Number one, or letter A, the cares of the world. The cares of this world. The anxieties of this world is literally what the word means. This person's so caught up with cares and concerns that they cannot focus on faith. The second thing would be deceitfulness of riches. To be deceived means to be seduced. That's where, is money wicked? No, you, you all, the love of money is the root of all evil. If money's wicked, you give me all your money and I'll take care of it for you, okay? I'll help you out today. The love of money is the root of all evil. Many of us missed those little words there. But when you th- and you got to understand something. First Timothy 6, verse 17, it says that we're not to nor trust in uncertain riches. G. Campbell Morgan, I love reading a lot of his stuff. He said that, um, believe that persecution is Satan's second best weapon, but his first best weapon against Christians is materialism. And I agree with that. And then you also see desires for other things, is letter C. What are the things that can choke out growth? Desires for other things. The phrase, lusts of other things enter in, could literally be translated, lusting for all the rest. In Luke 8, it defines as the pleasures of life. God's word cannot thrive and survive in a hindered heart. Proverbs 27, a great proverb here, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Why do you think John told us in 1 John, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love both. Didn't Jesus say you cannot serve two masters? He said that, right? And so that's the way it works. You cannot be spiritually and grow in the Lord if you're taken with all the cares of this world. Is not God trying to be bad to you? And that doesn't mean to not to enjoy the things around you. But when we look at this, we think about Demas. I mentioned him earlier. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he's departed unto Thessalonica. There are many out there that say, well, he, he just wasn't saved. I think you study and you say, and I can't judge his heart, so I can't tell if he was saved or not. But you study, he was a faithful follower 
but he got sucked into this trap. And he loved this present world, and he forsook Paul. It doesn't say that he lost his salvation, and you can't lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You can backslide. You can get away from God, but he never leaves you. And all you need to do is repent and turn back to him. He's right there. He's never left you. I think the, pro- the prodigal son passage is a great passage to study on that. But when we look here, sometimes the soil, things just choke out the word of God being able to grow us. You might be here this morning and not being able to grow in the things of God because there's so much of this world in you right now. Both can't work at the same time. How's your heart today? How's your soil? I want you to understand something, too. Someone after the first service are like, I never thought of this before. I always thought I achieved to have good soil, and then once I got good soil, that was the end of it. In your garden, does the soil just stay good by itself? No. It's work and work and work and work. That's how it happens. You don't, let's be honest, the soils of our heart, you can grow hard. Because the things of this life, they are hard. Bad things happen. Bitterness, things do creep in. Your heart can get hard towards the things of God. You also can be very shallow. And never. And there are a lot of people who never grow in the things of God. There are many who let the cares and things of this world choke out anything that God's trying to do. And then we see number four, or yeah, number four, a humble heart. The good soil. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. The good ground, it wasn't hard, it wasn't shallow, it wasn't conflicted. If you plant crops or you grow something, if you plant and grow an orange tree, what if that tree never gives you any oranges? Are you going to be very happy with it? No, I, I, unless you just, you know, because here's the thing, you say, well, I want the orange tree for the blossoms. Well, the blossoms, that's the blossoms bloom and that's where you get fruit. And maybe some didn't know that, but that's how that works. But you plant an orange tree, I think you're expecting to have oranges. So the tree starts growing and you don't get oranges, so you might go read online how to help oranges come from my tree. And you might maybe put some extra fertilizer there. You might water it extra. You might try some things to get it going. But in all honesty, over time, if that thing doesn't produce fruit, what's the point? If you have a garden, shade, there you go, shade. Someone said shade. I guess that works too. That was a good answer, whoever. Who said that? The shade, yeah, that's a good one. And so, you can plant a garden. I didn't plant that garden in our backyard for little animals to come eat all of our stuff. Planned it for us. If there's no, if there's if there's no harvest with it, what's the point? And so, think about this: How do we glorify our heavenly Father? Is our Father glorified that ye what that ye bear much fruit? You want to glorify God today? You need to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit when the soil's right. How is your soil today? 
As we look through this passage and as we come closing in on the finale here this morning, as we get close to, to the end, I think about those early Christians in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 11. It talks about them and it says, They received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Those Bereans, they had the good soil. That should be our goal, to have the right soil. I want you to go back with me to verse number 9, and I want to give you some application this morning. And this is what, if you are a true student of the Word of God, which I believe every Christian should be a student of the Word of God. Every Christian. But the thing you've got to realize is when it comes to those things, and when it comes to studying the Word of God, there are a couple things that are very important for us. It begins with observation. You can't study something if you don't read. You've got to observe it. So in this passage, we've observed it. When you go from observation, it goes next to interpretation. And Jesus interpreted it for us right there. What does this mean? And then true Bible study, are you ready? True Bible study begins with observation, moves to interpretation, and then true Bible study ends with application. So what's here? What does this mean? How can I apply it to my life? That's Bible study, how it should be. That's how my sermon prep goes. That's how, it, that's how I roll with it, in case you haven't figured that out. But as we get here to the close this morning, I want to focus in a little bit of time about sowing the seed. At the end of the day, I can't change anybody's heart. At times, oh, I wish I could. Man, I would love to change someone's heart. Go in and just, uh, man, anyways, we'll leave that alone there. I can't change anybody's heart. But I am supposed to sow seed. We look at verse number 9. Look at what Jesus said. He, that ha- he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. One of the keys to Christian living is to never stop listening to the Lord. We need to hear him, and we need to do. With that in mind, I want to give you a few takeaways from this passage. Number one, trust the word of God to produce lasting growth. Trust the word of God. Don't trust your heart. Don't trust the things of this world. Trust God's word. You want to grow in the Christian life? Let me show you what you need. Right here. It's what you need. Man, we can go even a little deeper here. You read it, you study it, and then you spend quality time in prayer with the Lord. You see he gave, he um, interpreted it to those who came to him after the big group left. There's a lot more I can go deeper in there. This seed will never return void. It's always right. doesn't matter what year it is. doesn't matter what's going on in our world. Trust the word of God to produce lasting growth. This is the seed that the world needs today. This is what we need. Number two, it's always a bit scary to sow seed. It's a little scary. Think about the farmer. His family depends on the crops he's trying to grow. He'll spend money 
to water, to do the seeds, to use the vehicles, to do all the things he needs to do. And then he's got to wait to see what happens. And for some, that's their entire living. Their entire family could be made or, you know, if I remember if we took the kids on a field trip here at school up to Riley Farm up at Oak Glen. And in the middle of April, the pear blossoms were all over the trees and the apple blossoms were all over. They were a little worried because that week it was supposed to freeze two or three nights. And if the pear blossoms and the apple blossoms all freeze and die, that's a lot of their crops and where a lot of their money comes from. So it's a bit scary to sow the seed. You might have family that doesn't know the Lord. not easy. Think about Psalm 126. The Bible tells us, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. It's a little scary sowing seed. You never know how everyone's going to respond or how they're going to take it. But I also want you to know number three, a small percentage of what is planted actually grows to maturity. One out of four in this passage grow to mat- grew to maturity. Others rec- and this is the thing. At the end of the day, when you sow the seeds, you don't know what it's doing in someone's life. You think about Stephen. He had a man, Saul, that was consenting unto his death. As Stephen is being martyred for his faith, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He was sowing seeds. And those seeds were pricking at the heart of a man named Saul. You never know what those seeds can do. A small percentage of what is planted actually grows to maturity. But you know what our job is to do? To sow seed. You sow it. That's our job. Number four, not all believers will bear the same amount of fruit. It said there's some 30, some 60, some 100, some none. Not all believers will bear the same amount of fruit. The parable of the talents, a man had one and he did nothing with that one. You know, the parable of the talents kind of gives you a great insight on this. You understand, well, they're not bearing as much fruit as I am. That's because you're looking at everyone else, what they're doing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And some will bear more fruit. But don't be concerned about what someone else bears. You do what you're supposed to do. And you be responsible for what God has given to you and entrusted you with. That's so important. Number five, are you ready? The harvest will be huge. You say, what do you mean? When the seeds of the gospel get into a humble heart or get planted somewhere growth happens the gospel's the most powerful seed on the planet think about what the bible tells us in isaiah 55 11, so shall my word be as that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which i please and it shall prosper in the things whereunto i send it hey church just sow the seed the seed's good enough You can't find a better seed. 
The seed is good. That's why this morning, if you don't receive anything from the word of God as it's sown, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed's good. It's got to do with the soil. Next. Pray that God will prepare the soil in souls and in our society. Pray that God will prepare the soil in souls and in our society today. Man, I hear so many people, and I hear Christians a lot, and just listen to me as I say this. I love our country. I am an American through and through. But instead of teaching everyone how to be a good American, we need to pray that God would prepare the hearts of souls in our society and that people would be receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what matters. When's the last time you prayed for a, your loved one that God would prepare that soil in their life? And he does. Give you an example. My great uncle, Johnny. He was a tough man. Hard man. He, um, my, my mom had tried through the years to witness to him a few times. And he never wanted anything to do with the Lord. And so, I remember I was probably eight years old, nine years, no, probably maybe 10 or 11, somewhere in there, and my great-uncle Johnny and his wife, my great-aunt Maxine, they came over to our house, and my great-uncle kind of broke down. His wife of so many years had breast cancer or ovarian cancer. You know, within two weeks, he trusted Christ and got saved. It took something in his life to break down his soil a little bit, and God used it. And he was, in, he, he, was a good, he was a good man always, but he was a little hard and kind of a wild man and probably would say some things that would make people blush in a room. But man, after he got saved, he was a different person, different person. He still didn't like people speeding down the street, but that's beside the point. But God had to prepare his heart. And it took some time. That loved one of yours that doesn't know the Lord, have you prayed that God would prepare their soil? We look at our society and how backwards everything is today and how awful everything is. Praying that people's hearts would be open to the gospel. God would prepare the soil. You and I don't prepare the soil. We sow seeds. Which leads me to point number seven. Keep sowing the seed. Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. You go out during the week and you see someone, just sow a little seed. Yesterday at the food distribution thing that those who came and helped out, what did we do? We just sowed some seed. I love seeing some of our men pushing the carts to people's cars and praying with the people at their cars. Sow a little seed. As you're in your neighborhood, just sow a little seed. Just sow the seed. Don't give up on it. Keep moving forward. Just sow the seed. Our job is to sow. It's all we can do. I could stand here after every Sunday morning and all week long and be worried, who's going to listen? Who's going to listen? I can't, I can't do anything about that. I can sow seed. 
and let God do his work. Because it's all him. It's not us. We just sow the seed. He's given us his word. That's our part. Sow the seed. That's what we do. He does the rest. How's your heart today? Where are you at? Joe, in just a minute, we're going to have an invitation thing. Don't cut.